Hello and welcome to Gloucester Vineyard Church's weekly podcast. We are creating communities which bring hope and joy to Gloucestershire. Uh, thanks for downloading this message. We are, as a church, reading through the gospel according to John this term. We've got to chapters 5 and 6, so I'm going to read those for you now ahead of the Sunday gathering where we will be unpacking them. Um, our friend Wes Boxall is going to be coming to speak to us and unpack on Sunday. Uh, Wes is one of the pastors of Golden Valley Church here in Gloucester uh, and is just one of the nicest human beings you can ever hope to meet. So um, if if you're able to join us on Sunday, we'd love to see you there. Otherwise, you can catch up right here on the podcast. Um, But just so that you come ready and prepared, uh, here is chapters five and six. Now, as I'm reading, do keep your ears attuned for mentions of Jesus talking about his father, uh, because that's one of the main things that Wes is going to be unpacking on Sunday. So without further ado, Here is chapters 5 and 6. Afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city, near the Sheep Gate, was the pool of Bethesda, with five covered porches. Crowds of sick, lame, blind or paralysed lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him, he knew he had been ill for a long time, and he asked... Would you like to get well? I can't, sir, the sick man said, for I have no one to put me into the pool when the waters bubble up. Someone else always gets there ahead of me. So the context here is that people would come to the pools to be healed and you had to be dipped in the waters just as they bubbled up to get healed. And so you kind of had to have somebody to dunk you in. If you didn't have anyone to dunk you in, you couldn't access healing. And this guy had apparently been waiting for 38 years, which is a jolly long time. So anyway, Jesus told him, stand up. Pick up your mat and walk. Instantly, the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and began walking. But this miracle happened on the Sabbath. So the Jewish leaders ordered, uh, objected. They said to the man who was cured, You can't work on the Sabbath. The Lord doesn't allow you to carry a sleeping mat. But he replied, The man who healed me told me, Pick up your mat and walk. And let's face it, if someone heals you, you do as they say. Who said such a thing as that, they demanded. The man didn't know, for Jesus had disappeared into the crowd. But afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and told him, Now that you're well, stop sinning, or something even worse may happen to you. Then the man went and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had healed him. So the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus for breaking the Sabbath rules. But Jesus replied, My father is always working, and so am I. So the Jewish leaders tried all, all tried harder to find a way to kill him. For he not only broke the Sabbath, he called God his Father, thereby making himself equal with God. So Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. For the Father loves the Son and shows him everything he is doing. In fact, the Father will show him how to do even greater works than healing this man. Then you will truly be astonished. For just as the Father gives life to those he raises from the dead, so the Son gives life to anyone he wants. In addition, the Father judges no one. Instead, he has given the Son absolute authority to judge, so that everyone will honour the Son, just as they honour the Father. Anyone who does not honour the the Son is certainly not honouring the Father who sent him. I tell you the truth, those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. 
And I assure you that the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone, because he is the Son of Man. Don't be surprised, indeed the time is coming when all the dead in the graves will hear the voice of God's Son, and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life, and those who have committed evil will rise to experience judgment. I can do nothing on my own. I judge as, God's t- as God tells me. Therefore, my judgment is just, because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. If I were to testify on my own behalf, my testimony would not be valid. But someone else is also testifying about me. And I assure you that everything he says about me is true. In fact, you sent investigators to listen to John the Baptist, and his testimony about me was true. Of course, I have no need for human witnesses, but I say these things so that you might be saved. John was like a burning and shining lamp, and you were, uh, you were excited for a while about his message. But I have a greater witness than John. My teaching and my miracles. The Father gave me these works to accomplish, and they prove that he sent me. And the Father who sent me has testified about me himself. You have never heard his voice or seen him face to face, and you do not have his message in your hearts, because you do not believe me, the one he sent to you. You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. Yet you refuse to come to me to receive this life. Your approval means nothing to me, because I know that you don't have God's love within you, For I have come to you in my Father's name, and you have rejected me. Yet if others come in their own name, you gladly welcome them. No wonder you can't believe, for you gladly honour each other, but you don't care about the honour that comes from the one who alone is God. Yet it isn't I who will accuse you before the Father. Moses will accuse you. Yes, Moses, in whom you put your hopes. If you really believed Moses, you you would believe me, because he wrote about me. But since you don't believe what he wrote... How will you believe what I say? After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went, because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. And then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Jesus soon saw a crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he said, Where can we buy bread and feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Philip replied, Even if we worked for months, we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Then Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. There's a young boy with five barley loaves and two fish, but what good is that to such a huge crowd? Tell everyone to sit down, Jesus said. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. The men alone numbered about five thousand. Then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God, and distributed them to the people. Afterward he did the same with the fish, and all ate as much as they wanted. After everyone was full, Jesus told his disciples, Now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled twelve baskets with scraps left by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. When the people saw him do this miraculous sign... They exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we've been expecting. When Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. 
That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake towards Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down on them, and the sea grew rough. They they had rowed for three or four miles when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water towards them. They were terrified, but they called out to him. But he called out to them, Don't be afraid, I'm here. And they were eager to let him into the boat, but immediately they arrived at their destination. The next day, the crowd that had stayed on the far shore saw that the disciples had taken the only boat, and they realised that Jesus had gone with them. Several boats from Tiberias landed near the place where the Lord had blessed the bread and the people had eaten. So the crowd saw that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there. They got into the boats and went across to Capernaum to look for him. They found him on the other side of the lake and asked, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understood the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. For God the Father has given me the seal of his approval. They replied, We want to perform God's works too. What should we do? And Jesus told them, This is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he has sent. They answered, Show us a miraculous sign if you want us to believe in you. What can you do? After all, our ancestors ancestors ate manna whilst they journeyed through the wilderness. The scriptures say Moses gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, Moses didn't give you bread from heaven, my father did. And now he offers you the true bread from heaven. The true bread of God is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, give us that bread every day. Jesus replied, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me, and I will never reject them. For I have come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, and not my own will. And this is the will of God, that I should not lose even one of all those who he had given me, but that I should raise them up on the last day. For it is my Father's will that all who see his Son and believe in him should have eternal life. I will raise them up at the last day. Then the people began to murmur in disagreement because he had said, I'm the bread of life that came down from heaven. They said, isn't this Jesus, the son of Joseph? We know his father and mother. How can he say I came down from heaven? But Jesus replied, stop complaining about what I said, for no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them to me. And at the last day, I will raise them up. As it's written in the scriptures, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who listens to the Father and learns from him comes to me. Not that anyone has ever seen the Father, only I, who was sent from God, have seen him. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. Then people began arguing with each other about what he meant. How can this man give us his flesh to eat, they asked. So Jesus said again, 
I tell you the truth. Unless you eat my fle- eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person at the last day. Okay, I'm just going to pause it here. Just reflect on <laughs> how utterly bonkers that would have sounded to the guys who were listening to him at the time. You know, we can read this and we think about um, the Last Supper that Jesus had with his disciples. And we think about communion where we uh, eat bread and drink wine that symbolises Jesus' body and his blood. And it's a beautiful, symbolic moment and it has a huge significance. But can you imagine if you were one of these fishermen and like housewives standing on the shore listening to Jesus? And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. I mean, just, can you imagine being one of the first people to hear that? It's just bonkers. Anyway, Jesus continues, Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in him. I live because of, the, I, uh, I live because of the living Father who sent me. In the same way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did even though they ate the manna, but will live forever. He said these things whilst he was teaching in the synagogue in Capernaum. The next heading is called, Many Disciples Desert Jesus. And frankly, after what we've just read, you can't blame them. Many of the disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, so he told them, Does this offend you? Then... What will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone can give eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing, and the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew that from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. And then he said, That is why I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of the disciples turned away and deserted him. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you going to leave? Simon Peter replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then Jesus said, I chose the twelve of you, but one of you is a devil. He was speaking of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, one of the twelve, who would later betray him. So there we go. That is our chunk for this week. Uh, Chapters five and six. I hope that you enjoyed that. Um, I hope that you got something out of that. There was so much in there about food and life and uh, eating food and food leading to life and Jesus being food and Jesus being life. Man alive, there's just so much in there to reflect on. Um, This is just a classic example of the book of John being like an absolute masterpiece where you read it and you kind of get bits of it each time you read it. Um, But the more that you engage with it, the more that you read it and reread it, the more that you engage with the rest of the Bible and the rest of the life of Jesus, the more it comes into focus and you kind of understand bits and bobs of it. That's the way that our Bibles work. It's not something that we're used to in our culture where we're just expected to give 
everything to just come on a plate in nice, simple terms. This is meant to be piquing your imagination, piquing your curiosity. And even as Jesus said there, does this offend you? And, you know, frankly, talking about eating flesh and drinking blood. I mean, that should offend us. That's proper weird. But uh, for those of us who know Jesus and know the rest of the story, we, we know that eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood uh, symbolically is a path to eternal life. So, Uh, I hope that you enjoyed that. I hope that that's given you lots of food for thought and reflection this week. And I really look forward to seeing you on Sunday, uh, where we will be unpacking that with the lovely Wes. Um, Have a great week, guys. God bless you.